Buffalo's now 2-0. Tennessee's now 0-2. Wilbon, would you rather focus on how good the Bills look or on what's wrong with the Titans? I, that, that, what's wrong with the Titans? The Titans aren't a perennial enough power to start this show with what's wrong with the Titans. That could be for some other show. I'm going to just get rid of Tennessee very quickly. Tennessee at the moment is nothing, absolutely nothing. Derrick That's Henry, right. a great runner, had 25 yards and 13 carries last night. That's less than two yards a carry. Ryan Tannehill had two interceptions and passed for a total of 117 yards. If those two don't give you anything, then you are nothing. Right now, Tennessee is Indianapolis. These are teams with false and inflated expectations. What the hell is that? Stone on air coming up. Completely unsanctioned by the church. Stone on air. Whatever, let's just do this. Stone on air. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Give human beings opportunity, and you'll be absolutely shocked with what people do with it. Stone on air coming up. Stone on air. All right. Well, hello, everybody. How are you after a week off? Happy to be back in for the Stone on Air podcast for the 22nd of September. Month flying right on by. Plenty to talk to in the or talk about, and the format is shaken up just a, a little bit, just slightly. And I'll explain what I mean by that coming up right after this. I'm going to have to just, if, if I sound it a little distracted or off at any point, um, I'm using different headphones, these little cheap, rinky-dink, junk ones, little earbuds, because my regular headphones are in a bag of equipment, a bag of gear that I think ended up in, I don't know, somewhere on the coast of Savannah or something. Long story, I'll comment a little bit on that uh, a little bit later on. Um, but so it's real tingy, it sounds awful, I know it's going to sound fine as it records in, but... I might be slightly distracted because of that as the uh, the, the course of the next uh, upwards of an hour uh, goes. So uh, I was on vacation last week, which just means I didn't go to work for a week, and then I did a few fun things in between that and really actually just kind of burned a lot of time. I spent a, a couple of different days doing quite literally nothing. Um, and sometimes I, some people feel like bums or losers when they do something like that. Sometimes those are some of my favorite days of my life. So uh, I had a very, very nice week, but that's going to be basically the last two segments of the show. It's just going to be anecdotal story time. It's going to be the uh, audio vacation slideshow that your lame aunt and uncle or your grandparents would show you back in 1989 or whenever you were a kid and you had to sit through all that and you hated every second of it and you didn't care a damn thing about their trip to the Grand Canyon, but you had to sit there and watch and listen all about it. That will be the final two segments of the show. What I'm going to do a little different here on the open is, is I'm not, it's not going to be a traditional open. I don't have a handful of things to do catch up on. I mean, I do, but I'm not going to do it. And I don't have three pieces of audio in the sense of like, hey, ha ha, let's have some fun. I am. Uh, I'm going to open this the, the segment here with something that just kind of jumped off the page to me, just quite literally yesterday and today, and something that I was monitoring towards the end of uh, my last full work of week, work of week, w- week of work. 
uh, you know, right around two weeks ago, the runoff for city council district eight. And the, the, the woman who is, was, who won the, the majority of the vote on the, at the general election, but because there has to be a runoff, she didn't win the runoff. Her name's Marie Mott. And she is just to be simply put about it. She's a troublemaker. She is not somebody that generally anybody wants to have any kind of uh, involvement with city politics. I think she's been trying to get involved with the council, maybe the commission over the last several years. She's about 30 years old, maybe 31, 32, right around in there. Um, So she's certainly qualified age-wise. I think she's qualified from having an understanding of local government. But she is an activist, which is great and fine in a lot of cases. But she seems to be a very unhinged, the um, beware of type, maybe a mentally uh, not all there together type person. And I've heard these whispers and I've met her before. And I know people who know her. And at first it's like, yeah, power to the people, fight the good fight. But then it seems the more the onion pulls back, the more it's like this is not somebody we want to be involved in um, local politics. Now, if she wins an election, she wins an election. I mean, there's nothing you can do about that. But now she's crying foul. She's crying and making videos and posts and social media blasting how the election was stolen. How, how original. How, how original. That is now the new political theater in the entertainment political complex of America, whether it's you know, major elections across the, the country federally or locally. If you don't win, it's not, it was, it's a cheat. It's, it's not real. Uh, get some new material, first of all, but these people aren't creative enough to get new material. They just, they just mimic what they've heard. And that's why words matter so much. That's why the Trumps of the world and, and even at this point, Biden, the people who are the, lo- are the, the most prominent, the things you say matter. It really does. So I, I, came across some of her audio and uh, I just wanted to play some of it. I have five clips of it. And what I would normally do later in the show, I decided since I already had the other two planned, set and ready to go, I'm just going to do it right off the top. So to get things started, the, um, the election was last week. It was pathetic. The turnout out of, I don't remember what the turn, the, the total eligible voters is, but it was thousands and thousands, 800, less than 800 people voted and you know, whatever, say what you want about that. But it was a 70-vote difference, so uh, obviously very close, and I would not have a problem at any at all with any politician losing by that small of amount, wanting to just question a little bit and talk about it for a few and, and explore options, but immediately screaming that it was a fraudulent election is, uh, is going to turn me off immediately. I don't remember the lady's name who won. I don't care because this isn't about her. So that was at the middle or the end of last week, so right at a week ago. And then when I get back, I see now she's screaming that it's not, uh, it, it's, it's, there's coercion, intimidation, tampering, and a completely unfair election. So I figured I would just jump right into the audio here with from her Instagram page. I got five cuts here. This is her opening comments from Marie Mott, let me find it. Where is it? There it is right there. Good evening, everyone. My name is Marie Mott. I am the young lady that ran for City Council District 8 who has accepted a loss, even though I originally won. But I want to outline how my rights were violated due to state law and expectation of having an 
a clear, unobstructed, fair election, which is not what happened. I want to outline through state law and educate you on how the mayor and the city council usurp the will of the people and use coercion, intimidation, or uh, force to ensure that they got the outcome that they wanted. And the reason why I want to do this is because one of the foundations of our democracy is to have fair, unobstructed elections, which primarily have never happened in our country's history, especially within the black community. So fair elections have primarily never happened in our country, especially within the black community. A um, little bit hyperbole there, maybe just a touch. Uh, intimidation, coercion is all the things she's talking about here. I pulled up a quick Google if you want to find yourself. Uh, just the, the Little Hatch Act. And it's two pages. You can download it real quick. It's, it's very, con. It's, well, it's not really convoluted. It's just, it's a lot of contradictions is what it is. And I'm not going to bore you with trying to read it. It's from Understanding How the Hatch Act Applies to You from the U.S. Office of Special Counsel. So just quick Google search. And you want to know all about the Hatch Act, Hatch Act, you will. Continuing on, this is where Marie Mott starts the accusations. So to have a white male mayor even though he lives in the district, to utilize his official power to intimidate and coerce an outcome is a violation of state law and various different subsections of what is called the Little Hatch Act. I'm gonna give you some historical um, briefing on that very quickly, and then I'm gonna go into the specific subsections of state law uh, to outline how my rights were violated, and we should be concerned whether you like me or, or not Everyone should want a fair, unobstructed race for any political candidate. Even if you hate their guts, you should want them to have an opportunity for the people to choose them uh, without their will being usurped by uh, public officials. Mayor Kelly endorsing a candidate for city council is by no means and in no way coercion, intimidation, or violation of any act, even this Little Hatch Act, as it is called. Speaking of which, Marie, tell us more what the Little Hatch Act is, if you would, please. And that is the reason for the Little Hatch Act, to restrict and prohibit the power of the executive branch, really specifically, and any other public officials or people who serve within the executive branch's um, government, as well as folks who have official powers in your city or municipalities or state offices or even up to the federal level. We need to know these things because the moment that things like this happen, what precedence does this set for the future? We may never have another fair election locally in the city of Chattanooga ever again. We might never have a fair election in the city of Chattanooga ever again. Um, okay, again, the hyperbole uh, flowing. A city council vote with fewer than 800 votes is setting the precedent that we may never have fair elections ever again. Um it's just uh, it's just nonsense. Uh, one more here, and no, two more. Excuse me. She accuses nearly everybody in the entire administration. She doesn't really quite say that, but she starts naming a lot of names, and it just it implies that everybody was in on it. According to Tennessee State Code annotated, it is unlawful for any public office 
is Mayor Kelly, Jenny Hill, Demetrius Coonrod, Isaiah Hester, uh, Ken Smith. Are these folks in in office? These folks are in office. So I have Ken Smith, who did an entire write-up and speech about me. That's interference about why I'm not a good uh, person to be elected, and he wouldn't work with me on the council. Uh, Jenny Hill, Demetrius Coonrod, Isaiah Hester, Rakita Dotley, all were present and have endorsed uh, our candidate are on her flyers. According to state law, it says, uh, for any public office, it is unlawful for them uh, to use such person's official position, authority or influence to interfere with an election or nomination for office directly or indirectly. The only thing I'm going to respond to on this is the thing she said about Ken Smith. Now, first of all, Ken Smith didn't do a write-up on her. Somebody did a write-up on him from the Chattanooga and likely the Times Free Press as well of the things he said at the Pachyderm Club about a month ago, a little less than a month ago. And that was what first started catching my eye on this story because it is a little out of character for someone to go out or I mean out of character but out of uh traditions even though traditional political uh situations don't matter at all anymore uh, to start commenting on, on other races that you're not involved in he told the pachyderm club on monday uh, back in late august that he usually stays out of uh, of other local political races but he said there is one that he will not ignore that is the runoff race for chattanooga city council district eight he said one of the candidates, Marie Mott, quote, has come to the city council meetings for years, obstructing the council from doing their jobs and leading demonstrations and protests in the city. This person has stolen a flag and then video it, videoed it being burned. She also was led, led the defund the police movement in Chattanooga and led a demonstration that took place at Mr. Smith's Hickson home. Mr. Smith said the uh, demonstration at his home was, quote, unquote, life altering. He said, I'm not racist because I'm male, white, and a Republican. That is a mistake that some people in the Black Lives Matter protests make. That is a pretty bold thing to say out loud to a bunch of rich white guys and a fundraiser, you know, uh, the Pachyderm Club kind of thing. So I totally get she's not happy about that, but hey, what do you want me to do? Uh, and the final one here, she just continues to blame more uh, people within the current uh, city of uh, Chattanooga City government. It's unlawful for them to use their positions and furthermore unlawful for them to encourage anybody who works within their offices or works under the executive branch to get involved as well. Has that happened? Yes, because I've seen Ronald Elliott involved in uh, Councilwoman Marvine's race. I've seen a variety of uh, public officials who work within the mayor's office. Chris Anderson, who works within the mayor's office, was involved in this as well. Is he in an official position? Yes, he is. Is Ronald Elliott in a, an official position? Yes, they are. Are they all violating state law? Yes, they did. Yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know that they're violating state laws. Uh, I do know she mentions Chris Anderson specifically. Uh, he is a acquaintance of mine, and um, he can't keep his damn mouth shut. So there's a pretty good chance he might have stepped in it somewhere. That guy is incapable of staying quiet and just zipping it. He just cannot do it. Like him a, 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 as much as I can know the guy from somebody who I've only been around during radio interviews and Twitter interaction and a couple events like at Tim Kelly's, uh, the, the the party when he won the uh, the damn mayor race. And so I, I've been around him enough, but the guy won't ever shut up. So I'm sure he is trying to be a pest on social media because that's just kind of what he does. This is from Reddit. Um, 
Marie Mott's entire Instagram currently is threatening legal action against a city that she so-called loves and basically calling every cop, official, person in politics corrupt or criminal. Seems like a great way to get herself into politics. And then I just figured I'd go down this hole for a minute. Uh, she's a horrible candidate. She's all bark, no bite. She's toxic. Another one says, no one has to work to make her look bad because she does such a stellar job of that herself. She will never admit that her failure to get elected is directly linked to her own actions and will continue to be a professional victim with because it gets her attention. Yeah, she's not well mentally. She's a cult, cultist. Right, because Mayor Kelly definitely woke up thinking, I'll risk my career for the city council race. Another says, it should go without saying, but elected officials are generally exempt from portions of the Little Hatch Act. Governing political activity, otherwise, no one ever would be able to run for re-election. Goes on, here's another, she's a nut, mentally ill, and should be ignored. Uh, Politics has become a spectator sport, and she's part of the entertainment. Yes, that's what I'm saying. It is a political entertainment complex and that's all these people are doing, even on a small level, because they see the professionals doing it, and they want to be like them. Um, I mean, this has basically been Chris Dahl's shtick for multiple election cycles. Chris Dahl's run for mayor and city councils, and he's just one of these guys. He's a total troll. Um, I don't know him well. never met him, but he'll, he says inappropriate things all the time. Uh, allege widespread corruption, rile people up, run for election to get some free press, allege you lost because of aforementioned corruption, wash, rinse, repeat. It's a great strategy because it allows someone to consistently view themselves as righteous crusaders without ever actually having to do the difficult political work of making compromises and taking responsibility. And the last one is the Little Hatch Act, to which she refers, only applies to state employees and only under certain circumstances. Um, she's got a history of running into law. There's a couple of videos out. I didn't even feel like messing with pulling all the audio because it wouldn't have sound very good, but where she is being very, very belligerent to police officers. Um, here's just a few, uh, city council candidate, Mary Mott curses police claims racism and traffic stop. The officer says, Miss Mott became agitated and aggressive um, quote, are you effing kidding me? Who the F are you? This is bullshit. Uh, what the bleep are you talking about? These are just some random quotes from the report. I'm not going to read it all just because there's no real reason to. That was just over a, a, a taillight being out. This is from Law Enforcement Today, a national blog. She is running for city council. She has called for violence against cops, and almost nobody knows it. That was a long-winded one. This was a domestic violence call from her boyfriend back in July. Called the police, responded to a domestic assault recall, uh, call. The boyfriend told police that Mott had threatened she would call the police on him and would make false reports against him. The boyfriend eventually got away and called the police. He told officers that, that Mott had been threatening him with violence, told him she would call the police on him as payback and threatened to get gang members to his house in retaliation. Mott Williams, who is Cameron Williams, uh, C. Grimy, if you will, her, her male counterpart in the activism side, the, the uh, I Can't Breathe chat uh, organization that they run, and six other protesters still face multiple misdemeanor charges stemming from two separate July incidents, the burning of a Hamilton County Sheriff's Office flag, and the blocking of 
of an emergency vehicle. All these things I have heard at some point, but never really spent a whole lot of time on because I just thought they were loudmouth, you know, Facebook headliner wannabe types that really weren't doing anything. And I don't think I'm entirely wrong about that. But if you're 70 votes away from getting on the city council, I guess you're a little bit more than just a total wannabe. Going late on this segment, I I, I know, but I'm going to try to wrap it up here as quickly as possible. Um, if I have to shorten up the other ones, I will. Uh, so the two times she's been arrested recently was in May of 20, and this is at the height of the BLM just burning of cities, not just activism and, and protesting. This was far more than that. And it appears to me that these types that we're talking about here locally are closer to the ones you want to be aware of. So far, pretty much sounds like that, doesn't it? I mean, I'm usually on the side of these types. Even if I don't totally agree, I'm usually going to err on the side of being on their side. It's very difficult to do that. She was charged with obstruction of highway or other passageway that was mentioned in that other article. On that same day, also disorderly conduct. A couple months later, in, J- in July, vandalism, malicious uh, m- uh, mischief, mischief, and... Um, that was of the of the flag, I believe. I sh- there should also be stolen public property if that's if that's the case. If the, if the story is what I heard it was, and there was video of it, you know, at that time, it's been two years now though. Stealing a flag off public property and burning it. I mean, Rage Against the Machine is fun, guys. Like I have, I I enjoy you know some of this you know overly aggressive points trying to make. You're stealing public property and you're burning it. <laughs> okay. She didn't even get charged with that, so maybe, well, no, and then there's reckless burning. That's right. That was the other charge that same day. Well, if she wasn't burning the flag like we all saw in the video, what was reckless burning? And then there was one more here I'll get to, and I'll wrap up this segment. Uh, Chattanooga City Council candidate defends remarks about Jewish slave owners. I won't even spend hardly any amount of time on this. It's just another one for the ledger, another one just to put on the stack. On Tuesday, an anonymous Twitter account with nine followers posted an approximately 35-second video of Mott in which she states that Jews, quote, participated in the institution of Chattel slavery. Quote, yes, they owned slaves in the South, she said in the video. Yes, they joined the Confederacy and took up arms against this nation with traitors to uphold the institution of slavery. Yes. Yes, it happened. When are we going to deal with it? It happened. When are we going to deal with it? What are we going to do? And that's as much as I printed off from that, from the Times Free Press. I don't know if that was, I think that was in July. This woman clearly, clearly is not all mentally there and is a, a professional victim. And I cannot listen to that type. I cannot get on board with that. I'll try my hardest. I'll give you all the benefit of the doubt. But just so you know, if you hear anything about this, which you likely won't, because the, 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 it was done last week, the, the, the vote. She tried, one of the things I didn't read, she tried to have the whole thing, same thing Trump was doing with the, oh, don't let them certify it. Don't cert, you know, try to make protests so they can't certify the, uh, come on, it's city council. No one really cares. No one really cares. I'm about the only person in the city who spent any amount of time deep diving in the information on this. Maybe that says more about me than anybody else and why I'm wasting my time with it. But I do find it interesting because she has been in the local news off and on for years now, for two or three years. 
She used to have a radio show over at that uh, piece of crap, uh, garbage, Nuga Radio, you know, criminal enterprise that is uh, Sab, whatever his name is, uh, dumb shit they do over there. She was involved with some things, you know, she's up to no good and she has no business being in local politics and everybody involved knew that. And um, and now she's, you know, playing this part of the theater. This is the part of the, the television show that not many people are watching. But unfortunately, I did start watching it. So boil it all down. End of the day, whatever cliches I could come up with, there's nothing to see here. So let's just be silly the rest of the way. The Moon River weekend started a long week of a vacation that I enjoyed very much. But it ended very, very oddly. What does that mean? I'll start talking about it next. Stone on Air will be right back. This is cool. StoneOnAir.com. Moon River Festival was canceled tonight due to flooding in Coolidge Park. Event organizers made the difficult decision earlier today on social media. The Moon River Festival is an event that happens every year in the scenic city, downtown in Coolidge Park. But heavy rain on Sunday flooded the venue. Puddles of water could be seen around the stage, just where fans were packed in. In a statement posted to their social media account, organizers with Moon River said they spoke with city leaders who supported the decision to shut down. In an effort to resolve the issue, organizers moved the Drew Holcomb and Friends concert to the Soldiers and Sailors Memorial Auditorium, but canceled the remaining acts. They are now offering a full refund to fans who bought a ticket directly through the festival. The refunds will be issued to Sunday one-day ticket holders, while two-day ticket holders will be issued a 50% refund of the full price. Absolutely gripping news reporting from Local 3. Thank you. It's casual party from the Band of Horses. Yeah, so bummed I missed that. It was the highlight of the weekend for me. Love them. And I crammed it. Oh, I listened. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. If you want to hear an in-depth uh, dive into how all that came together for the memorial show, which likely you already know how all this ended, um, the What Podcast with Barry and Taco, they have a bunch of uh, guests via Zoom from the Tivoli here locally, a couple others, promoters, Drew Holcomb himself. I haven't seen slash heard the whole thing yet, but it was released in the last day or two. So if you want to know the full details, that is uh, one way to go. It's actually a little irritating because um, I got over it really fast. But I had Tim Kelly arrange to come on with me within about two days after that Sunday. And I just was going to do a quick, you know, from his from a governmental standpoint, you know, how they handle it, um, how much he's involved, those kinds of things. He had he agreed he was ready to do it. But it turns out. My uh, my equipment to plug up my phone to my home little kind of rigged up thing here is in the bag with the with the other gear we took to Moon River to do the interviews, and that bag ended up in a car that went to the beach for a week. Uh, from what I understand, through text messages from Barry Corder's family, and it's in good hands, so there's nothing to be concerned about. 
but I was not going to have that piece to be able to connect the phone, so I wasn't able to do it. I didn't realize that till after I already had made the arrangements to do the call. Tim's cool. He's fine with it. It was better. He probably didn't feel like doing it anyway. And uh, I was actually happy in the end because I was taking the, the, the week off. I didn't actually want to do any work. But at that moment on Sunday when everything's going down, I thought, you know, that's when my old school, you know, broadcast media, uh, you know, bones and heart and soul started going, I got to get the mayor on. Get the mayor on the phone now. Come on, stat. You know, that kind of thing. So that's fine. And by the time I even had him on, the story was sufficiently told anyway. So let's just start with with the festival itself. Uh, got there early on um, Saturday, spent most of the day. It was soggy as it could be, but it was not raining, really. I, it might have been spitting a little bit at some point, but the forecast showed rain for the day within a day or two before that, and we didn't really get any of it. And that was nice, but it was still very soggy, and the grounds were getting beat into the ground by uh, by the foot traffic. So we knew Sunday was going to be an issue with more rounds of showers coming through, more thunderstorms potentially. You never know how many you're going to get. You never know how uh, how much of a downpour you're going to get. And um, so at that point, we were ready to realize that Sunday was potentially going to be a very soggy day. Nobody thought, oh, no, we might not have Sunday. I didn't think that anyway. Um, I guess because of past uh, events, which we are right now at the one year Bonnaroo canceled because of the hurricane and the flooding of the grounds. That's literally one year ago. It was right about the 21st, 22nd, 20th of, uh, of September. So I guess maybe we should have thought that, but I, I didn't anyway. And so we did our, our work early. And then, um, that was with the what podcast that was fun and fine. And then I saw green sky, bluegrass, and, you know, I was a little underwhelmed, but that's fine. Saw a couple other bands I'd never heard of, couldn't remember, enjoyed it, and thought, you know what, I'm, I'm going home. I've been here all day, I'm going home. Sunday is my day. Sunday's my jam. I got the local natives. I've got, um, I got the Band of Horses show, which is really all that I cared about, in the evening time. And then we've got interviews early on in the afternoon, one of which being the lead singer, of Band of Horses, Ben. I can't remember his last name. Ben, I've met him before, but I couldn't wait to talk to him. I spent an hour the night before going through wikis and sketching out ideas, and I was like, "We're good. This is going to be a uh, this is going to be a good. This is going to be good. Very, 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 very good." So I was really excited about it. So I went home, called it a night. But one thing I did notice initially. And this is going to be a running theme for, I guess, the rest of my life. Uh, the prices at Moon River, I already heard they were going to be excessively higher than they were in the past, were just offensive. Completely and totally offensive. And it's not just Moon River. I'm not bashing Moon River. The Bourbon and Beyond Festival that took place the following weekend, which is just this past weekend, that had Alanis Morissette, Jack White, Pearl Jam. Uh, it was a massive, he- I mean, it was a huge bill. I saw online people posting and talking about it in the message boards. The prices were the same there. $13, well, no, well, I'll bitch about that some other. The sales tax thing was driving me crazy. But the bottom line was $16.28 for a 10-ounce Tito's and T- Tito's Lemonade. That's pre-poured, sitting over there, already sweating a little bit. 
It's a two gulp drink in the summertime. I'm not. I'm not kidding. It's gone. Sixteen bucks. Really? All right. Here's a beer for eleven. Okay. I'm just. Uh, you're killing me. You're killing me. I don't know how much longer they can get away with it, but they're all doing it, and I'll just stop it. I'll just leave it right at there. At that, anyway. So I go home the night that night, and I actually, uh, this is off subject from the festival, but I, uh, I enjoy cooking and making sauces and making different things, and it's just my new pastime over the last couple of years, and I'm still learning, and I'm still getting uh, closer to kind of good at it. And I had this recipe for some jalapeno sauce that I wanted to make. That I had already bought the ingredients, which was just a you know oil, onion, jalapenos, and that's basically it. A couple other things I already had, and I thought, you know what, I'm gonna go home and make dinner. I'm gonna watch the Braves game, and I'm gonna make that jalapeno sauce. I'm not a big jalapeno guy. I like the flavor, all right, but I've never cooked with jalapenos before, or any hot peppers for that matter, outside of a you know a green pepper, which is not a hot pepper. I totally naively took for granted how dangerous those seeds are in a jalapeno. Now, I knew that that's where the heat came from. I had always heard that the seeds is where the heat is. You take all the seeds out and you have no heat in your jalapeno dish. You leave seeds in. The more you leave, the hotter it is. I already knew that. But I didn't take into account for how careful you had to be with those seeds and wearing gloves if you're chopping up a bunch of onions onions of 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 jalapenos and i was chopping onions also and keeping that away from your body as much as possible and being very cautious with it is something you should do didn't have that kind of caution whatsoever and i'm not i never confirmed for sure whether i did but it sure felt like I did, and I at least got some kind of something in my eye. I think I got a jalapeno seed in my eye. I was cutting up, and I think I went to just kind of wipe, you know, you just kind of wipe your face because I might have, you know, I had a little bit of, the, the kitchen's hot, you know, I'm moving quickly. I don't leave my AC on super high blast, so it's not no, no nothing to get a little bead of sweat. And I think I just took my hand and rubbed it on my eye, you know, with it mostly closed. But I, I started feeling my eyes starting to, to to sting and just I was like oh you know you're just winking like god and I've also got onions out so I'm like man my, my eyes are getting all kinds of effed up over here I'm gonna you know step back for a minute and um I wash my hands and then I and I just it just got worse every second every second every second and after a few minutes my eye is on fire like I can't stop I have to hold my hand over it there's just just water pouring out of it it's blood red I, I feel like there's something under my eyelid. I can't see enough to look. I'm starting to panic. I don't know what's going on. I've never cut a freaking jalapeno before. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, my God. I went from having the biggest day tomorrow ever, you know, in a while anyway, of interviews and fun and music and festival and then vacation. And I'm going to have to go to the ER because my eyeball's about to, I'm about to go blind with jalapeno seeds in my eye. I mean, I'm th- this is the kinds of things I'm thinking. And I eventually just put my head under a, a sink and just started flushing my eyes just profusely with water. And it, and I, I, I almost called my mom. I was like, should I call my dad? Do I call the 911? What do I do? Like, is this, 
about to start Googling, but I couldn't even see. I, I my, my vision was almost completely blinded, at least in one eye. <sighs> it freaked me out. After I continue to flush, continue to flush, it started to get better, and I realized I'm going to be okay. So anyway, that little anecdotal story, I legit was starting to have a panic attack that I was going to spend the night in the hospital. So I didn't. Disaster averted. Ended up back uh, waking up the next day, getting up early, getting ready for the interview. I get a call from a guy at work, last person in the world I expected to hear from, who said, hey, man, I've got uh, two VIP uh, bands we're not using. Do you want them? Well, of course I do. Meet up with him. Now I got two VIPs. What does that mean? Not much. I already I'm I'm already in the artist lounge anyway, uh, for for part of the day. But sure, yeah, I'll take it. And I you know people hit me up for f- tickets to everything all the time. This is gonna be I'm gonna miracle somebody. This is gonna be a great day. Then so we head down to so I'm having some drinks earlier in the day. I'm breaking my rule on drinking because I I know that I'm gonna be Ubering, and so I I I'm just not spending the money that these these drinks cost in there. I'm not buying $16 watered down Tito's lemonades. And in the artist lounge, which we have about two and a half hours that we're going to be there doing interviews, the beer is free. The drinks are free. So I'm trying to time this out to where I can have a little bit of a, you know, a festival buzz and not spend any money, but I got to start getting a little bit primered here and then there. And then once I get into the show, I'll have maybe one, maybe two shows over, go home, Fun night, safe night, all good. Well, once I get down there, it's 10 minutes after I'm, you know, I, I heading that way, like on foot downtown, get a call, somebody inside, give me a quick early heads up. St- don't waste your time. Don't come here. They're evacuating the park. Everybody out. And, um, okay, I get it because I saw some lightning in the distance. I see the weather forecast. I see that there are cells of storms all around us, but that doesn't mean it's going to completely take us out. And it doesn't mean it's going to be uh, last for any length of time. And it doesn't mean anything other than we just need to wait this thing out. Well, that was around one thirty. at that point, not long after that, we realized all our interviews are canceled. Those aren't going to happen anymore. So throw that prep away. And then it's just another hour and another hour and another hour. And then I start hearing, yeah, maybe about 4.30. So I'm, I head over to the parking deck across from, right next to the gas station on Frazier, right across from Coolidge. There's some friends there, some from out of town, some uh, regular festival types, and they're tailgating in the, in the, in the parking deck. So we're kind of having a mini party in there. It wasn't a bad day. I mean, it was a fine day, but it was just a frustrating day because you're just waiting. You're thinking, okay, it's now it's sunny and it's nice out and it's warm and a good warm, and just people are excited. There's thousands of people in the streets. They don't know where to go necessarily. Every tiny little bar on the North Shore was packed out. There's almost nothing good over there anyway. And nobody wanted to walk long distance all the way to the other side of where all the good stuff is because then once they open up, you're too far away. So just a lot of, um, I'm not going to call it chaos because it wasn't chaos at all, but it was a lot of confusion and frustration and then all of a sudden, boom, 6.30 hits, and that's it. It's done. They've, they've canceled it. And I should have known, with it being so nice for a couple of hours and just people standing around and no one being let in, they weren't being let in because couldn't, you couldn't get in. You know, the, the, the terrain was too saturated. And if it's too saturated at 4, it's going to be too saturated at 6. 
So I should have probably already known that, but I was having drinks, I chatted it up with, with friends, so I didn't hardly care. Anyway, it turns out uh, Drew Holcomb and Ellie, his wife, came out and played a few songs um, just out in the, like, near the theater center, just outside, just acoustically. And I uh, heard that was kind of neat. And then by now you've heard they uh, they made the pivot. They threw the show on over at Memorial Auditorium, which was a very, very uh, cool thing and a uh, really an inspirationally awesome way to, to make something out of nothing there. To, to open up that building, staff it, secure it, security-wise, and, I mean, the ushers were there, for crying out loud. The concessions were all open. It felt like they were planning on being open all day. Excellent work. I know many of the people that do a lot of that work, and excellent, excellent job. Thank you very much for that. I got in just to see what it all looked like and then left right afterwards. I mean, Drew Holcomb is fine, nice guy, whatever. I don't care anything about his music. And I wasn't interested in the jam at that point. I wanted a band of horses concert, and I wasn't going to get that. So I went home and watched you know, TV and called it a night early. And then slept and laid around and did nothing all day on Monday. So kudos to everybody involved with that. That was a really unfortunate situation that was handled very well by all parties. Thank you very, very, very much. Now, things really start to get weird in about four and a half days from that point. And it involves Pearl Jam and then the show in Atlanta to see the band Ween. And... What I never in a million years would have thought would have derailed this whole thing didn't quite, but it almost did. And I'll tell you what it is coming up next. Manisha Agarwal works at Children's Healthcare of Atlanta, and she has seen an uptick in young kids coming to the emergency room after mistakenly eating Delta-8 gummies and other edibles. These children can come in, and they can just be a little bit loopy, but some of them come in with significant alteration in their mental status. In 2021, poison control centers started tracking Delta-8 calls, and recently, numbers have risen dramatically. When we're leaving products that look like candy, taste like candy, uh, smell like candy, these are going to be magnets for children. According to Georgia Poison Center data, only four calls came in from January to March last year. This year, there's been more than 50, the majority for kids five and under. So doctors advise to parents, if you have these in your house, you want to treat it like any other dangerous product, keep it out of kids' reach. And if you think your kids have been exposed, call poison control first. Now, if they are extremely lethargic or struggling to breathe, then you want to head straight to the emergency room. If I spent much more time, I could have found a better rejoin, but I think you might have an idea where this is going. But you really don't. You really don't. Afro Man actually saw this guy at what is now... Uh, JJ's now, but then it was maybe Jacob's Ladder at that time, or maybe the local, that same building, stage was on the other side, 
of the wall. Probably 21 years old. Afro man. He goes like, um, all right, so the uh, the week continues on. I I spend Tuesday, you know, I go do some lunch at the feed. Uh, oh, yeah, I went to the Lookouts game. Final Lookouts game of the year. That was nice. No crowd, no lines. Uh, enjoyed that. Wednesday, Thursday, kind of catch-up days, doing a little bit of errands, those kinds of things, cutting the grass, getting ready. And then Friday I headed to... Nashville to go to the show with my brother, the Pearl Jam show at Bridgestone Arena that's been canceled or was postponed, I should say, since April of 2020. Over 784 days I've been waiting for this. Pearl Jam shows are major events in my life. I've only been to about, I stopped counting a long time ago because it just it was too hard to remember, but it's less than 15. I mean, it's 13, 14 Something like that. They just don't tour very often. It, and, and sometimes they don't come anywhere near the South, even if they do tour. So it's a big event. It's a big deal. And so I am gearing up for this just for that, for that, you know, the big event. And I get to Nashville very early and early back up a little bit. I wanted to try to find a little bit of marijuana to take into the show and smoke traditional, you know, grass and i just forgot and i i don't have a ton of connections on that anymore because i almost never purchase it and uh and i just forgot and i because i wanted to get high and not have to worry about drinking anything or or you know i don't i don't need to drink to watch pearl jam but i'd like to but if i'm a water and a joint is going to make me very happy but i didn't make it happen and so i meet up with my brother in that you know in, in east nashville early on Friday, and that shows at night. 7.30 is when the opener is, which is, um, they don't usually have openers, but they did it on this one. And so, you know, we're having some drinks. We're getting ready to get a, an Uber down there, and um, he's got a little bit of pot at his house, but it's just like just a little bit left of shake. And, yeah, we could have taken a hit, and I would have gotten high. I don't like getting high and going out in public. And we're going to go hit up Broadway for a little bit, which is a bad idea. Because I forgot how awful it is. But I, just, I, I don't want to get high for that. I want to get high when the music's playing. And then by the time the music's done, I won't be high anymore. Or at least I'll just be tired. And everybody will be tired. And the night will be over. That's what I want. I don't want to be high, you know, going to Tootsie's. Or, you know, wherever else it is. That would make me want to... I would get terrible anxiety, social anxiety. And I would want to go home at that point. So right before we leave, he says, hey, you know, there's this little head shop, you know, a little CBD shop, literally right down the road, like, you know, two blocks. You want to go see what they got as far as these Delta 8 or 9 or whatever the hell they are, gummies? You want to go You want to go check that out? Just look at them, talk to them about it? And I thought, I mean, we, we got a few minutes. It's about 4.30. I, you know, the show's at 7.30. I want to get down to Broadway pretty quick. He lives 10 minutes away. Okay, let's do it. And so we go, we talk to this guy. He's giving us a little bit of jargon. He's trying to be easy to understand. I'm sounding like a total dork trying to talk about, like, oh, uh, so does it get you, like, high or what? Is, you know, I don't know what any of this garbage is. I've often said, and I still think I believe it, that just random CBD is one of the biggest consumer fraudulent ripoffs of the last, you know, decade and a half. 
Uh, here, here's some weed that you can smoke or gummies you can take that don't get you high. But trust us, it's good for you. Yeah, sure, bud. Yeah, thank, no thanks, but no thanks, bro. But now I hear that this stuff gets you stoned. And I think I might have experience with it, but I just can't remember. It seems like one day, it might have been Valley, by, Valley Vibes last year, we had a Delta 9 or 8 or whatever it was joint that somebody gave me and I smoked it and I think it got me high. Like, this is legal stuff. I can't remember. So we just, he said, you know, this, 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 this. I said, is this going to do the job for me for the show? He said, that's, that's, the, that's the ticket. Okay. So we bought a bag of these things. We put the bag, I mean, these are legal. This is over-the-counter legal stuff. You got to be 21, but it's legal. Completely legal in the state of Tennessee. And I throw it in my, in my uh, pocket, just the same. I don't want to take it now. I don't want to be high now. I want to be high at the show. So we go meet for dinner um, with a couple of friends and drinks, and it's nice. And, and I mean, Broadway is a total shit show. It's like Times Square of, you know, Tennessee's version of Times Square. And then we get into the show early, which is fine. And we go find our seats, and we take... I said, well, why not? Let's take two of these. Because surely they're not really that potent. I mean, it's not even really weed. So I took two. So did my brother, who smokes much more regularly than me. Then we go get a beer. $30 for two of them, by the way. And go back to the seats, and the opener's about to start. And we saw the opening set for about 30 minutes. Now, we had taken this now 30, 45 minutes ago. Remember the set well, talked throughout the set, and then it was over. And then we had a Pearl Jam took their damn time coming out, about 45 minutes until they came out to start the set, a little after 9 o'clock. So about 8.30, 8.40, which would have been an hour and a half after we took these gummies, I'm starting to really get stoned very very spaced and i'm getting anxiety along with it that's fine that happens i'm not freaking out yet that happens as soon as the music starts you know within 10 minutes after it starts i'll pop down get some waters come right back up i realize i'm not drinking i'm high it's kind of, it's fine i need some water though or i'm going to start getting worried but i cannot miss the open I can't be in line buying something for the open of the show. That's just a guideline of 21, 25 years. You don't do that. You're there for the open. And then the open just took forever and forever and forever. And now I'm just starting to really, you know, I'm starting to get really messed up. Show starts 9 o'clock. And about 10, 15, 20 minutes into the show... Me and my brother both are speechless. We can barely move. We can barely talk. If I'm sitting down, my knees are bouncing up and down with that nervousness, right? Like when like your foot might just move around a little fast. It's just uncontrollable. I'm having to grab my hand and hold my leg down. From I, I'm, I'm starting to really get concerned. Something's majorly wrong with me, but I don't want to say anything. And I'm just breathing in, breathing out. 
And the show was still actually pretty good. Like, I could still get into the show because the, the natural high of the feeling I had was pretty good for to to be in sequence in some way with the music. I mean, I know every song they're ever going to play, so I can get into it. Jeff, my brother, I couldn't quite tell. Um, at times, he would sit down. Later on, he told me he passed out during portions of the show. Um. I was I, I felt like I was hallucinating, absolutely hallucinating, and I was losing my mind because I have blood pressure issues that have been really bad recently, and I'm thinking, you know, is this part of that? I'm not drinking enough water. I need water. Except I felt like my legs didn't work. I couldn't walk down the steps because we were five seats into a row. I was gonna have to you know climb over people, and I was just I was freaking the fuck out, man. I was scared. And then combine that with the music of my youth, music that's powerful, music that matters to me, and I'm 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 dying inside. Like emotionally I'm twisted in a pretzel. I don't know what's going on. I'm questioning my whole life. I'm like what have I done? And I I went to get waters twice. And Jeff my brother said I can't move. I can't walk. I'm stuck right here. And it gets so loud, we didn't discuss any of this. I don't know how messed up he is com compared to me. And just getting the water, I remember just trying to press the buttons on the card reader. I was, I mean, the woman must have looked at me like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? He spun out of his mind on LSD and every, you know, hallucinogenic on the planet. Because that's how I felt, and that's had to be how I looked. I tried to use my phone. I like to do uh, stories. I had already started a big uh, Instagram and Facebook story reel, if you will. When I pulled my phone out, I could not see the numbers. I could not see anything on the screen. It was completely compli uh, pixelated and like a light bright. This is not in any kind of exaggeration. My eyes hurt and the phone looked like shooting stars. Uh, it was scary. It was scary. And if this had happened before the show, had we taken this an hour before we went inside, I don't know what I would have done. I might have just gone to the hospital. <laughs> I sure as hell wasn't going to go in and try to find my seat. I try to navigate that place. This is wild stuff. So we get through the show, lights come on, I'm not quite as high as I was earlier, but I'm still actually pretty freaking high. And now it's a different dynamic because the lights are on, people are roving, you know, moving around, trying to get out, now we have to figure out what to do, the anxiety is building and building, um... And I, I do sit down and realize I am just as bomb stoned as I was three and a half hours ago. This is insane. And so we leave. Luckily, my brother's doing a little bit better than me. And I said, I need you to call the Uber. I can't do it. I, I can't use my phone. I can't, I can't do anything. I can't do anything except for just breathe in, breathe out. And, and just try to not psychoanalyze myself into a coma 
And we finally, we get an Uber, and it takes a few because we're it's so crowded everywhere. So we try to get a little further on the outskirts. And we get in the Uber, and we're heading over to his place. It's not that far away. And as soon as we start rolling in that car, I realize, oh, shit, I am having terrible motion sickness. And I am feeling really bad. And I am going to throw up at some point. I just hope it's later on tonight. So I'm, I start, Jeff's trying to talk to me a little bit. And I'd, I'm just start looking out the window and, you know, straight ahead with my, you know, hands on my hips and I'm just breathing in. You know, just over and over, real slow, in and out, through the nose, out the mouth. And just talking to myself, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I'm profusely sweating. My shirt is damp. I have beads of sweat all over my 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 forehead, on my arms. It was it was very obvious. I was getting very cold and it was just it was terrifying in itself. And we finally get back to his place and um and I made it. And I got out and I just started just just darted into the yard and just started walking around and just fanning myself. And then we go inside, and just a few minutes later, I was like, okay, I'm going to your backyard where no one can hear me. I'm pretty sure I'm going to uh, have to uh, be sick for a minute. And I was right. And I went out to the backyard and violently vomited for five solid minutes. Just like, who's dying in the backyard aggressively? It was awful. And you know when you're kind of sick, especially when it involves pot and, and and beer, lots of alcohol, when you when you throw up, you get it out of your system, and then you feel better afterwards. This had nothing to do with alcohol. I hadn't had to sit, drop the drinks at 7.30. This is now midnight. I haven't drank all night long. I didn't feel better at all. I need to wrap this up because this segment's going long already. Um, it just got worse and worse, and I had to, I was I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. I couldn't drink. I was up all night. I was in and out of nightmares. I was hot sweats. It lasted all night into the morning. When I was up at 7, 8 o'clock in the morning, I still had this terroristic feel inside me. That's the wrong way of putting it. But just this horrible feeling that had subsided from where it was. And I'm like, I'm supposed to go to Atlanta to go to Ween in like four hours. I got to meet my friend who's driving. I forgot my medicine at home, so I didn't have my blood pressure medication. I didn't have my uh, Klonopin. If I had the Klonopin, that would have saved my life. Um, I didn't have another drop to drink, nothing else to eat. By the time I got home about 1.30 the next day, I still had that gut feeling of, oh, my God, what? I, it, was, I, it was hallucinogenic. I was seeing things. Tracers in the, out, in the backyard. Lights were just bouncing and moving all around. This crap was sold to me over the counter legally as Delta 8. I mean, I want to call the people and or go to them and say, do you know what you're selling? Has anybody come back to you and said, what the fuck is this? I've had gummies. I've had real THC gummies and edibles many times in my life, and they are very aggressive, and they do last a while, and they are very powerful. But they're not hallucinogenic. And I ended up going to the Ween show and everything was fine. 
And I felt better later on the day and finally had a couple drinks and some dinner and, you know, I came back to it. But I was sitting around thinking, doing that whole show, I promise, dear God, dear uh, baby Jesus, dear anybody who can hear me, I'll never smoke again. I'll never do anything wrong again. I promise I'll get better. I promise I'll stop drinking. If you can just get me through this night, please, please. That's what I was doing inside. And I got to thinking, I guess if I die... This is where it's supposed to be at Pearl Jam. I'm supposed to die. If, if I, that's what's going to happen, I'll just die. But I promise, if, if I can make it through this, I'll change. I'll be better. It's like the ghost of Christmas past and present and future. I promise. Sounds like I'm, uh, I'm, I'm making up a story and exaggerating a little bit here, but I'm not. From WebMD.com, the boom in Delta 8 products began shortly after the passage of the Farm Bill, also known as the Agriculture Improvement Act of 2018. This act removed hemp and its byproducts, but not cannabis, from the federal list of Schedule 1 controlled substances. I don't have time to go through all this, but basically what somebody did was they figured out a way to pull this little strand, strain, whatever it is, out of the plant, and then people scientifically, chemically uh, uh, synthesized it from excess CBD derived from the plants and turned it into freaking hallucinogenic drugs. In 2021, FDA issued a consumer update updating that serious, that serious health risks. Reports from December 2020 through July 2021 included 22 people who report, reported vomiting, hallucinations, trouble standing, and passing out after consuming Delta 8 THC products. This is from WebMD. This is exactly what freaking happened to me. Healthline.com. The FDA has received over 100 reports of adverse reactions to Delta 8 THC products with people reporting side effects including hallucina hallucinations, vomiting, tremor, anxiety, dizziness, confusion, loss of consciousness. Don't do this stuff unless you're in a well-controlled environment. It is awful. Never, ever, ever, ever again. And that's all I got. Thank you for listening to this. The Stone on Air podcast. My name is Brian. Stone on Air on all the social medias. And if you do get to that point where you rate and review, I'm supposed to ask, you know, most podcasters tell you this. Hey, please rate and review. I wouldn't rate and review your podcast, but if you'd rate and review mine, I'd appreciate it. I got to go. Bye. I wasn't going to run from the cops, but I was high. I'm serious, man. I was going to pull right over and stop, but I was high. Now I'm a paraplegic and I know why. Why, man? Yeah. Because I got high, because I got high, la da 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 da. I was gonna make love to you, but then I got high. I'm serious.